and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. These three mayors and the other mayors we met with this morning are leaders working on the front lines to building strong, livable, and sustainable communities. Our government wants to uh, do what we can to help these leaders meet the challenges of rising housing costs and population growth. And increasing the supply of housing is job number one. For decades, Ontario housing supply has consistently fallen short of demand. That's why we committed to building 1.5 million homes by 2031. And while we're making progress, there still is much more work for us to do. It's a joint effort that takes all levels of government, including our municipal partners. Today's announcement is about empowering municipal leaders to give them the tools to get the job done. Today I am pleased to announce that Ontario is expanding strong mayor powers to mayors in 26 large and fast-growing municipalities. Building on the initial... That was Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing Steve Clark last Friday at the media studio in Queen's Park. And there, standing stage right next to Burlington Mayor Marianne Mead Ward, was Guelph's Mayor Cam Guthrie. Guthrie didn't speak at the press conference. In fact, his only comment about the expansion of the so-called strong mayor's powers was a quote that was included in the Government of Ontario media release. The quote is, Today's announcement by the provincial government providing strong mayor powers for Ontario's largest and fastest growing cities comes at a time when mayors need every tool to advance work on housing pledges and meet new challenges. Although strong mayor powers may not be required in all contexts to reach our collective housing goals, our citizens expect results, and tools such as this can help us achieve them. Unquote. I invited Mayor Cam Guthrie to come on this podcast to talk about the province's decision to extend the strong mayor powers and to talk about the announcement last week that a special meeting of city council will be held on July the 11th to look at ways of accelerating housing projects. I was told, though, that he's presently not available to do such a podcast. Guelph Politico, Guelph Today, Guelph Mercury Tribune, and CTV Kitchener had all reached out to Guthrie's office on Friday. And I guess we were all told that he's unavailable because there was no quote from Guthrie in any of the stories covering the announcement, even though he was there in person in Toronto when the announcement happened. Now, as I sat down to record this on Monday afternoon, Mayor Guthrie did finally post a statement on the city's website, which I'm going to now read verbatim. Statement from Mayor Cam Guthrie on the provincial announcement regarding strong mayor powers. I agree with the Association of Municipalities of Ontario, which represents 443 municipalities across the province, that strong mayor powers may help with, quote, improving housing affordability, as this is the number one priority for municipalities in every part of Ontario, unquote. I echo their statement that, quote, strong mayor powers can provide an additional tool to help municipalities play an important role in increasing Ontario's housing supply, unquote. In the past, there have been instances where this tool could have saved taxpayers' money, increased housing supply, and removed unnecessary conflict between council and the city administration, yet I'm not here to dwell on the past. Presently, I'm encouraged to see that the new 2022-2026 to term of council working collaboratively towards our pledge of 18,000 new homes by 2031. 
In my former role as a city councilor, I believe I offered respectful and valuable insights and ideas on issues before the city. No one mayor knows everything about every issue that comes before them. A strong Guelph requires a strong team, unquote. That's the mayor's statement, but that comes three days later. As we look into the void that Mayor Guthrie created over Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and most of Monday, I was forced to piece together Guthrie's thoughts on the matter from previous interviews and public comments. Now, the comment I just read, and I'm going a bit off script here, that the comment I just read will obviously hit a few familiar tones as I go through some of these clips I've pulled and some of these quotes I've um, presented here. So, it still doesn't really say a lot. And that statement really still doesn't say a lot, which is why I wanted to do a proper sit-down interview with the mayor. But in lieu of that, we're going to put together this, I guess, portfolio, this clipbook of the things that Mayor Guthrie has said in the past about the strong mayor powers. And that is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. First, what do the strong mayor powers do? The authority, which was initially granted to just Toronto and Ottawa last fall, allows the mayor or head of municipal council to do the following. One, choose to appoint the municipality's chief administrative officer. Two, hiring certain municipal department heads and establishing and reorganizing those departments. Three, creating committees of council, assigning their functions, and appointing the chairs and vice chairs of committees of council. Four, proposing the municipal budget, which would be subject to council amendments and a separate head of council veto and council override process. Five, vetoing certain bylaws if the head of council is of the opinion that all or part of the bylaw could potentially interfere with a provincial priority. And six, bringing forward matters for council consideration if the head of council is of the opinion that considering the matter could potentially advance a provincial priority. The powers, at least at Guelph's level, go into effect on July 1st, and it's worth noting that to date, neither the mayors of Ottawa or Toronto have used the authority granted them. Just because one is given a power, it does not necessarily follow that they must use that power. Plus, council can override the mayor's veto with a two-thirds majority, so it's not like there are no checks and balances, right? Let's flash back to last summer when the idea of strong mayor powers was first introduced. In an interview with Seajoy, Mayor Guthrie said that he wanted to wait for the full text of the bill before rendering a decision about whether or not strong mayor powers would be a good thing. And he also said, quote, No matter what changes are being proposed, I will continue to collaborate with anyone on anything that makes the city of Guelph better. Unquote. That September, then-outgoing Councillor James Gordon introduced a motion, a council resolution to be precise, one that opposed the strong mayor powers and other recently passed housing legislation from the province. And I'm going to read that resolution now. Whereas the Government of Ontario, through the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, has introduced Bill 3, which is described as, quote, an act to amend various statutes with respect to special powers and duties of heads of council, unquote, 
and whereas the bill, if enacted, will initially apply to the City of Toronto and the City of Ottawa, but will later be expanded to other municipalities, according to a statement made by the Premier at the 2022 AMO Annual Conference. And whereas this bill, if enacted, will give mayors additional authority and powers and correspondingly take away authority and powers from councils and professional staff, and will include giving the mayor the authority to propose and adopt the municipal budget and to veto some decisions of council. And whereas this bill, if enacted, will give authority over professional staff to the mayor, including that of the chief administrative officer. And whereas these changes will result in a reduction of independence for professional staff, including the CAO, who currently provide objective information to the council and the public and will now take direction from the mayor alone when the mayor so directs. And whereas these are surprising and unnecessary changes to the historical balance of power between a mayor and council and which historically gave the final say in all matters to the will of the majority of the elected council, therefore, Guelph City Council passes this resolution to petition the government of Ontario that, number one, these changes to the Municipal Act 2001 are unnecessary and will negatively affect the city of Guelph. Two, that while the Ontario government has deemed these changes necessary in large single-tier municipalities such as Toronto and Ottawa, such changes should not be implemented in smaller municipalities. Three, that if the stated goal of this legislation is to construct more housing in Ontario, that this can be accomplished through other means, including amendment of the Planning Act and funding of more affordable housing. Council further directs the clerk to ensure that a copy of this resolution be provided to the Premier of Ontario, the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, the Standing Committee on Heritage, Infrastructure, and Cultural Policy, MPP Mike Schreiner, and the Association of Municipalities of Ontario, or AMO. Before the motion was unanimously approved by Council, Mayor Guthrie got the chance to speak to the motion the debate that council had leading up to the vote, and his own view on the strong mayor powers. You guys all know me very very well that I don't usually write out some things. <laughs> I, I shoot from the hip a little bit. Uh, but on, on this particular uh, topic, I felt it was important to put my you know pen to paper uh, on, on this issue as well. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, I was just actually... Um, at the legislature, I think it was a couple weeks ago, on behalf of the Ontario Big City Mayors, uh, talking about some of the um, concerns that we had with it as well, asking the government for uh, more time to um, to engage on on this issue, especially if it was to roll out anything uh, further past what the Bill 3 has already provided uh, as well. Uh, but what I, what I wanted to say is uh, is this. Uh, the citywide responsibilities for mayors are often undermined uh, by the fact that the mayor is only one vote. A person that has campaigned across an entire city is still no more critical to a vote than a person that is beholden to a much smaller area. Uh, in fact, many residents question why promises they voted for me, as an example, on often get voted down or are slow to happen. But again, I reiterate, the mayor only possesses one solitary vote in council. The Strong Mayor Initiative would assist heads of council to ensure that the vision that they presented for their municipalities stand a better chance of success if becoming enacted. 
And having the authority to fulfill their promises is a tremendous tool to wield in a legislative session. Making the final decision on many issues would eliminate the squabbles and delays facing most municipal governments. Being the final arbiter on judgment is significant power, but it is not a power I believe we need. City Council has always been uh, one of collaboration. To allege that a mayor knows everything about every single issue in every single corner of the city is completely unfounded. The information gathered and shared by members of council are an invaluable asset in ensuring that the voices of even the smallest faction are heard and are appreciated. In my opinion, I believe delegations would become more hostile, not less. Instead of passionate discourse to all of those seated around the horseshoe, the focus would almost entirely be on the mayor. So while I may often disagree with my council colleagues, I could not imagine disrespecting them in such a fashion to minimize their opinions or their input. A strong mayor initiative depletes the value of a councillor. And as a former councillor, I know firsthand the importance of being recognized, voicing my opinion and the ability to cast my vote. To think that in the end, it may have just all been an imaginary display of democracy would have crushed the very thing inside of me that drove me to even want to be mayor. A strong mayor initiative assumes that voters are unaware participants in democracy and that the mayor privilege to overrule the opinions of the people voted for. We do not strengthen democracy by silencing more people. And we do not strengthen democracy by limiting debate. At the end of the day, there is no educational, financial, spiritual, psychological, or health requirement to be a mayor. And giving one person the authority to solely guide the direction of an entire municipality may seem like a fantastic idea when you are that person or maybe aligned with that person, but political lives are fleeting. Tomorrow, it be someone entirely different in the center chair. When I ran for this position, I was fully aware that the mayor is simply the chair of the meeting, that it was my responsibility to guide the debate and ensure every person at the horseshoe has an opportunity to speak, ask questions, and be provided with answers. Changing the rules in the middle of a contest is not the solution if some people are unhappy with the results. Stronger arguments greater debate and increased collaboration is what is needed. And I thank many people today around the horseshoe that mentioned that I do have that uh, value of collaboration. This may not have been what many of you maybe expected me to say, but at this time, I do not believe that this makes the political process easier or democracy stronger. And I absolutely support the motion as presented. That was in the middle of the 2022 municipal election, and some of Guthrie's rivals in the race for mayor were more than willing to come out completely against the strong mayor powers, and not just the theoretical justification for their existence either. As we look to the post-election period, I asked Mayor Guthrie during a post-election interview on Open Sources Guelph directly 
about what fighting the housing crisis at council was going to look like in the wake of Bill 23 and other changes made by the province. And looking at the big issues facing council, uh, interesting timing from the provincial government that they introduced sort of sweeping changes to <laughs> <laughs> municipal policy the day after. And you're laughing too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you know, you talk when in the summer when Councillor Gordon brought forward that motion about the strong mayor powers, and you were you were very firm on that too. It's like I don't need strong mayor powers. I don't want strong mayor powers. But in something like this, in which the policy is set, and you as the mayor can't say, well, we're going to follow the old policy, not the new policy. Um, have you been painted into a corner then to, you know, I, I guess, essentially, can you still promise the same kind of community engagement and sort of fulsome community involvement in these planning decisions if the province has said no? Well... You know, I'm actually going to, I don't know when you're going to air this right now, but I'm actually speaking uh, as the chair of the Ontario Big City Mayor's Caucus. I'm actually going to the committee uh, okay. next, I think, um, to speak on behalf of the, the 29 municipalities and mayors uh, about our concerns with Bill 23 and uh, and also our, our, our likes as well. You know, there's not, not, not the whole thing is, is bad. Uh, but we have we have some real concerns about some of that, and why? So why do I say that? I say that because to answer your question is as if I'm fully informed, and mm -hmm. we're not yet fully informed. Like mm -hmm. the, the reason why the government is at least giving an opportunity for some feedback, and hopefully they take it from from someone like myself, from from Association of Municipalities of Ontario, from from from, from citizens, from whoever they want to listen to the, at the committee level. We hope that maybe there will be some amendments, some changes before it actually becomes legislation. I find that to try to completely write the whole thing off, whether you don't like it or even to praise some of it that you might like, is mm. somewhat a little bit early because we got to find out what the actual regulations and legislation is going to be. I'm hoping that there will be some amendments certainly in it um, of the concerns that we have. And uh, and then I can maybe answer your question a bit more. Uh, am I painted into a corner? I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I, I would say I would answer it this way. Maybe the painting has begun, mm. <laughs> but I just don't know if I've been painted <laughs> into the corner yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, at the same time, um, I want to look at the issue from another way, which is there are a number of councillors have noted this. We have a lot of uh, projects that have been approved, not necessarily a lot, a lot of projects that have been started. And granted, there's like, you know, a variety of issues like construction costs and availability of crews and, and things like that. But would it be fair to say that maybe we could use some more help on that end of things, like getting the units that have been approved, like getting them going as oh, opposed to... Wait. Yeah. Oh, of course. Absolutely. No one's off the hook here. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I said this during the uh, election, like the, the, building homes requires many uh, players to play along and get along. Right. So that includes council and in the in the in, you know, in the lane that we are in from an, a, a regulatory body of uh, approving things. It includes staff to help with the process as part of it to get things faster. Uh, it includes uh, the developers, whether they're private or, uh, or, or, or non-profit. It includes them to make sure they're submitting applications properly, to make sure that they're 
they're pushing things through, uh, you know, as just as fast on their end. Uh, but it also includes the community too, uh, so that you know the not in my backyard type of you know activism that creeps up every now and then. We need to get over that. Uh, we we are a community that needs to figure out how to play together uh, in in regards to the housing crisis. So. It, it, it is accurate. You're, I would never dismiss. It's, I can't dismiss facts. Facts are facts. Right. There are probably thousands yeah. of, uh, um, what's it called? Approved but unbilt uh, lands and for, uh, for building. And, uh, you know, I can, I can uh, to a certain extent, uh, understand some developers saying like, well, it's, it is a tough market right now with getting financing or uh, there's material issues, uh, or there's labor uh, shortages. No one would dismiss that. Where I would uh, push back a little bit is like, well, and I I can't give you an example. I'm only assuming this. Have have they been sitting on land for 10 years? Mm. 15? I I don't know. But you can understand sort of some of the, the issues of the day, but has there been land that has been approved and not built on that's been uh, well before some of the crisis issues that we're facing right now. And I think that's a fair question right. to find out why it hasn't been moving forward. And if I could just say one extra thing on that, that's one of the things I'm going to be saying, I'm giving you a little bit of a preliminary here. And what I'm going to <laughs> say at the, at the committee at the go- provincial government next week is, you know, you're going to try to penalize municipalities for not meeting certain pledges or goals. Um, but what happens when we are actually doing the work to approve things, but then the development community is not, not building them. So why are we at fault for that? Right. So it's there. That's why continuing to come back to say the finger pointing is just useless. We got to all play together on this issue because everyone knows it's an issue. Mm. Like every, you know, every party doesn't matter even what political party in the provincial election, every political party agreed. There's 1.5 million homes that need to be built. Everyone said that Uh, all the, you know, outside politicians, like the experts, like Mike Moffat and others in the, in the, in the, in the province, they, they, they show like, clearly we need the homes. So everyone, everyone's on board on that. Uh, it's so let's stop pointing the fingers and penalizing this and penalizing that. And, and uh, let's, let's just try to figure out how to get more units done quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, our, our P our share of that a hundred, uh, one and a half million homes, that's about 18,000. And I did read an interview that you did with global news. Uh, you do think that's achievable um, in, in terms of sort of the resourcing and, and things that we have, right? Yes. Um, you know, if we have, if we can include the several thousand uh, approved but unbuilt lands that are already there waiting, if we look to approve at a minimum what's embedded in the draft zoning uh, bylaw next year, um, coupled with the changes in Bill 23, which include, you know, as of right, three units and such. Now, at, at the draft, last, the draft, I actually said, why don't we do four? Mm. Uh, so that was a takeaway for, for, for staff to look at. And actually, I'll give a shout out to 
uh, Mike Schreiner, our MPP, because even he wrote a letter saying we should look at doing four. So I was I was happy that uh, that he's on side with that. Uh, <laughs> so if we look at the if we look at all of those combined together and then project out the next eight years, mm. um, I think you know if we're hammering through that you know a couple thousand units a year of approved, I think we'll be able to meet that pledge. And I believe that pledges, goals, and things like that are are good things. I mean, we have a we have a goal uh, trying to be uh, net zero by twenty fifty. So we we align ourselves. Like so, sometimes these aspirational goals can actually help to align processes and policies and votes and people to actually try to do things, especially in a crisis. Guthrie's comments that solutions to the housing crisis are a multi-party effort continued earlier this year at the State of the City Address, where he noted again the need for council to come together to find those housing solutions. But there's also some additional commentary here near the end of the clip that I want to highlight. The provincial legislation changes dropped on cities the day after our own election will have major ramifications on how we handle the housing crisis. Listen carefully. The housing crisis is real. And it's been coming for a few years now. But now it's smacking us in the face and in our wallets big time. Council must come together, and we are and we will, around what we can to help get more housing built. And that means all types supportive, affordable, social, nonprofit, rental. Market, uh, market ownership, and so on. It has to happen, and it has to happen quickly. But the quickly part rests on a number of players and a number of layers. The city is one of those players. The development community is another one of those players. But this is a three-person player problem. The third player is the existing community. So developers, They've got to have their applications full, complete, and ready for that stamp of approval from either staff or council if necessary. And developers have to commit to put shovels in the ground as quickly as the approvals come. The community must stop being NIMBY. Not in my backyard. Must stop. Hear me, citizens of Guelph. More often than not, it is the same recipe of complaints that come from every neighborhood. Not every development is going to destroy the value of your home, cause accidents, and kill or injure children or animals in your roadway. Not every development is going to have parking issues or design elements that you don't like. We are in a housing crisis, and you and me probably everybody in this room is very comfortably housed right now. It is time to embrace different housing types for different people because communities are made of differences. It's time to embrace Yimby, yes, in my backyard. And you play a pivotal role in getting housing built. Welcome it where possible. Write letters or delegate in favor to council saying you want these developments because you want to welcome new neighbors to your area and create new friendships. Okay, so why is that last bit important? 
Well, last week, Guthrie called for a special meeting of city council to talk about emergency housing measures. On Thursday, the day before the provincial announcement, the city of Guelph posted some initial details about this meeting. Quote, the purpose of the joint public meeting and decision meeting is to share information about the amendment, consider public comments, and city staff will provide a recommendation to council on the proposed official plan amendment. The proposed official plan amendment is being introduced to delegate authority to city staff to approve minor zoning bylaw amendments. Official plan policies are required to delegate this authority to staff. Minor zoning bylaw amendments is amendment to the zoning bylaw that fulfills a technical requirement, provides a temporary use, or makes revisions to improve clarity and usability of the zoning bylaw. Unquote. The exact definition of what is a minor variance that staff will be given delegated authority over is not yet known, and those details won't be available until the meeting agenda is released on Thursday, June 29th, which is more than a week from now. For right now, one might make the assumption that delegating authority to approve minor variances might be a way to avoid some of those NIMBY delegations that Mayor Guthrie was talking about at the State of the City. That was one of the things I wanted to ask Mayor Guthrie about for this podcast. I wanted to ask him about his appearance at the press conference, and whether he was there merely because he was the past chair of the Ontario Big City Mayor's Caucus, or whether that was an endorsement of the powers the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing was granting. Also, has his opinion about the powers changed in the last several months? Does he intend to use those strong mayor powers? In what circumstance will he use them? How can he justify the use given his previous comments, including the statement I just read, which also didn't go into detail about whether or not he would use those powers, or what circumstances he would use those powers in? I think there's also a confluence of events last week that Guthrie needs to answer for. On Monday, we get this open letter from the Guelph Chamber of Commerce asking for, among other things, that the city, quote, work with the home building slash developer community to change the focus of approvals from a who's to blame to what's the next step in order to accelerate the pipeline of projects and get more projects queued up, ready to go, unquote. And then on Tuesday, we get the mention of a special council meeting. On Thursday, we get some initial details about what that meeting is going to be about, and then on Friday, it was the provincial reveal of the expanded strong mayor powers. So did Guthrie know that this announcement was coming? I don't want to sound conspiratorial, and certainly coincidence has happened, but it seems a little on the unusual side that we got all of this action in a one-week period, and that it all adds up to one thing. We the people are being slowly removed from having a say about an issue that affects all of us. Housing. For now, though, the last word's going to go to Mayor Guthrie, who, according to the Guelph Mercury Tribune's Graham McNaughton, said this about the strong mayor powers before Christmas last year. Quote, If we have a plan to accommodate the 18,000 homes and we have a plan that we will set a pace that housing is a priority for this council, which I believe that it is, then if we have the shared goals determined in advance, then there would never be any reason for that tool to have to be used, unquote. He also added that the powers could be used for, quote, 
partisanship, political appointment type of things on the administration side that I think would actually wreak havoc on the public servants, and I think it would cause more problems for the culture in City Hall. Unquote. I guess we'll have to see what happens now. And that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Source's Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then... See you next time.